Good evening. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. Hello, this is Everything Entrepreneurship with your host, Yarrow, and my good friend, Walter Haas. Hi, Walter. Hi, Yarrow. So we're here on a almost, I think it's penultimate Christmas Eve show in Australia. So the day yes. before Christmas Eve show, for all you Christmas fans out there, I'm going to pull the Jewish card on this one and just say it's another day, it's another Monday, and that's it. Except you've had Christmas events every other year. I have done some Christmas parties, and I'm sad to say that that probably is influenced by the OC, since I believe Seth was the creator, or at least was the guy who proliferated the concept of Chrismica on the TV show, The O.C. Uh, Are you really sure you want to be admitting you watched that yet? <laughs> it, well, yeah, it was maybe like in between watching sci-fi. You know, I just flicked back and forth and, and I'd catch The O.C. So Good cover-up. Thank yeah, you. I like that. Thanks. You I like know, that. It was Doctor Who and, and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica. And then, oh, look, it's The O.C. That's true. I, I too, flicked backwards and forwards and watched The O.C. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> I'm sure you did, Walter. It was all Misha's fault. She was a very attractive girl, that one. Um but speaking of Doctor Who, like, like that segue. <laughs> We're not going to get anything serious to talk about this week. I, I do actually, no, you triggered, well, I triggered a reminder that I wanted to talk about Doctor Who. I've been meaning to talk about it since the 50th uh, anniversary episode aired a couple of weeks back. And I know you haven't been keeping up to date with Doctor Who, Walter, which upsets me on some levels. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, maybe now that you're in an incubator, I don't know how much TV time you're going to get, but <laughs> I do want to say that Doctor Who, for all you Doctor Who fans listening in, I'm sure you saw this, did one of the best and continues to do the best pre-launch process I've ever seen for anything, uh, in particular with social media. My Facebook was every second post a Doctor Who related like a little snippet from a, a, the episode or a preview episode or a picture or something behind the scenes. It was constant for the like three months leading up to the 50th episode. And I was watching that going, this is how you do a pre-launch process. And, you know, obviously from a marketing point of view, it's, it's really brilliant. But the fact that they sustained it for so long was what really impressed me. You know, I, I was... I was clicking all the time. I was watching the preview episodes and they had like special episodes they released that were like five minutes long to sort of prequel the main show. And I was hooked. And of course, the anticipation was massive. So there's some brilliant lessons there for anyone who ever does a product launch. That's what I call a build-up. Better than any movie I think I've ever seen because it was so prolonged. And that's what I wanted to talk about with Doctor Who. All right. <laughs> Thanks for your well, participation, Walter. That's all right. I got nothing uh, really <laughs> nothing to say to in that, that regard. Okay. So Maybe over we, to you. Shall okay. we get back on the script then? So that's my Doctor Who segue. Now, uh, mm -hmm. thank you everyone for listening in. You're on everything entrepreneurship, and normally we talk about entrepreneurship and startups and business and internet marketing and blogging. And, and Walter and I talk about what we're doing. It is a bit of a weird week, though. This is Christmas week, and you know I'm haven't been doing much variety of work. I've just been doing some writing on my latest project and Walter just got into an incubation program and is moving to Sydney which is not something you normally do around Christmas time but you are trying to figure all that out aren't you? That's right so the biggest thing I've been doing in terms of business is trying to streamline my current businesses so that I don't have any distractions when I get to Sydney and that I can focus on the incubator 100% and I 
thought it was uh, maybe valuable just to share all the things I've been doing this week. Um, I, I'd love yeah. to know if you have a list, Walter. Like, did you go, okay, I need to figure out these are the things I will not be able to do now that I'm in an incubator, which is going to take all my time. Did you have a list like, I can't work on this anymore, I can't work on this anymore? Is that how you thought about it? Well, I like to start with the assumption I won't be able to do anything. So go for 100%. I can't do anything. Lazy. I like it. Yep. And uh, yeah, then just work backwards from there. So what, what was on the list? Well, the the most pressing things that take my time now. Uh, number one, of course, was everything that I do in order to make money. So for Kickspy specifically, because that's all automated now, I'll talk about that. In that case, I was still doing some manual work to upload ads, uh, email uh, potential advertisers and so on. I've finished automating that entire process and I tried to make everything as automated as possible. So aside from having a page where potential advertisers can upload the banners and then pay via PayPal, I also wanted to have the ads go live automatically I wanted to have the ads automatically fix themselves up if something goes wrong. So for instance, if an advertiser uploads an image that's maybe one pixel too large or too small, I automatically resize that banner ad so you know they don't have to uh, they don't have to edit it, which could you know drop them out of the sales process and I don't have to fix that up later, which would be my time. So all of those little things that take up my time now, I've tried to automate and I know some of the things like automatically resizing images are very programming intensive. So if you're not a programmer, that might be an issue. But, uh, you know, other things like um, sending automated emails instead of replying to emails yourself, things like that. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing in terms of KickSpy. What about your consulting work? I know you can't really automate that. So have you told your clients you're unavailable for the next six months? Is that the plan? Well, yeah, I've, I've um, told the most, the, the biggest clients or the clients that take the most time that I just won't be able to do any of their work. Um, I have uh, one good client that's, you know, about a day's worth of consulting a week. So it's not too intensive. And I'd like to, you know, keep working, working for him so that I still make some money and can pay the bills. But just as a backup, I've, got someone else that will be helping me on that project. So when I do go to San Francisco, for example, I'll be giving him everything. So for two months, I'm completely, again, 100% unavailable for that project. I still have a bit of a lead up time because consulting for, is a lot more um, time consuming than emails and you know uh, advertising. But I'm working at you know, get bringing this this new guy on and uh, having him set up so that you know in three months he'll be able to take everything mm -hmm. without me even being there. I am curious. You know, we had this issue with Cranky Ads too. I remember the whole concept of getting funding is not really to use that money to live off, right? So all three of you who are now in this incubator down in Sydney, Startmate. I know at least two of you, you and Brett, you guys did make a fairly hefty chunk of your living expenses from client work. So you forego a lot of that, like you just said, and I'm assuming Brett's doing the same thing. Is there the assumption that the money the incubator is giving you for this sort of five, six month period 
is allowed to be spent on, okay, obviously rent for where you're living in Sydney, but what about, you know, food and, you know, maybe mortgage payments back in uh, for whatever you've got back in your normal life? Are you allowed to use it as living expenses? Do you know how that works? Well, as far as I'm aware, we can use it for anything, right? As long as we meet certain um, uh, certain obligations like being able to fly to San Francisco and living there during okay. the training so process. You're supposed to use the money for all those expenses first? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Now, so you can't fly first class then? <laughs> no, I don't think so. All, all the money's gone. <laughs> yeah, we bought three in, tickets to San Fran first class, baby. In one trip. <laughs> we wanted to know what it's like to one day sell out. You know, we've got to get the feel for it, for it to make it real. <laughs> it's part of our training, right? <laughs> yeah, I would so justify that, but no. Uh-huh. So you're cattle class? Yeah, cattle class. That's right. But I do have an iPad, so I'll be watching some DVDs. And <laughs> no, you won't. You'll be working in your startup. Probably, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, what was I on? And then rent in San Fran. Again, ah, yes, and then so. rent in San Fran. So we'll be spending the money primarily on rent and food. I don't think we'll be paying ourselves to cover bills like mortgages, which I've kind of got covered with consulting and fortunately Kickspy is making a bit of money now. It's not as much as the consulting, obviously, but um, it is covering a hefty chunk of my expenses, so getting close to 50% of all my expenses, which is good. Um, hopefully I can keep that up uh, while... I'm in Sydney, so even without doing any work, hopefully that money will keep coming in. And that'll be my first real um, passive income business that's actually you know, covering my expenses. So that's the plan. That's the plan for that. A um, couple of other things. Emails. Emails. I get a whole ton of emails. And uh, yeah, processing emails every day is quite a chore for me. So what I've done is I've unsubscribed from everything that I think is interesting, that you know I might be following. I've unsubscribed from everything except what's absolutely necessary. If in the future I get back into some of these things that I find interesting because maybe I have some more time, then that's fine. But for now, I've cut everything back to just the basics. So instead of my inbox being you know full of 50 or 50 or 80 emails every morning. Um, it's now down to 10. And I should mention that most of those 80 emails are just, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, there's a notification and you know maybe a bunch of server emails for mm-hmm. server health and all those sort of things. So I've cut all those back just to you know the bare essentials. Something seriously has gone wrong in the server. Okay, I'll get those emails. And you know subscriptions to blogs and podcasts and mailing lists. I've just got rid of all of those. I have to say the, the timing with Cranky Ads being shut down well and truly is pretty good for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was quite a um, quite good timing on that one. Yeah, Serendipity. Serendipity, yes. that's what I, I was guess, looking for. Guess for, you, <laughs> for anyone listening in, if you're still using Cranky Ads, you have about, what, a week left to use it? So we do recommend you switch to a new advertising service hopefully you've done that by now if you haven't already so because we're switching off the servers next month and and that's on some ways quite sad but also it's a lot of ways quite i guess a relief i'm a big fan of closure so um I'm, yeah i agreed it's uh it lets you just shut that down and focus 100 mm-hmm. percent on 
your next venture. Yes. It's either sell out or close out. One of those two, I think, is you know the best way to go on, on most projects. And that's what's happened with most of mine. So, right. I do find the um, when you stop and actually look, especially like a situation you're getting into right now, Walter, where you're going, all right, well, I'm entering an incubator. This is going to be intensive and I can't assume I'm going to have much spare time. So I really need to look at what needs me in my life right now and that's not going to be uh, functioning. I'm going to have to find other ways to, to, to solve that problem without me being doing it, whether it's email or paying bills or even, I don't know, you're going to get a dummy to spend time with your girlfriend here in Brisbane as well? Or <laughs> No, that's what Skype is for. <laughs> okay. Um, if I, you, know, you may not even have time for Skype. You might have to do so like an automated uh, program for a chat session with Estelle so I can talk to Talking her. Talking with Eliza. Hi, honey. How's it going? Yeah. How is it going for you? Yeah. How are you today? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's good to hear. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wonder if you could get away with it. Probably not. Uh, Estelle's a smart cookie. Hi, Estelle. <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember doing something similar uh, way, 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 way years back. Not because I, have, I was going to enter an incubator, but I was thinking, well, I'm not getting the... Actually, I actually remember very clearly what happened. I noticed there were certain things I did that made money and then certain things I did that were ancillary to making money. So they didn't contribute directly to the making money, but because I made money, they were triggered. Things like emails, um, obviously the more exposure you get online, the more emails you're getting. Um, customer service would pick up. The more things you sell, the more customers you have to work with. Uh, the the bigger everything is gets bigger. You know, you're releasing more content, you're getting more inter- interviews done, uh, more contacts, more in, uh, more invites to events. Lots of things happen because you're succeeding, which then take you away from the things that led to you being succeeding, uh, being succeeding, succeeding, being successful. Thank you. <laughs> English, no good. So, <laughs> I thought, no, this is not good. I need to do a. a a fairly simple process and go, what can I take away and have other other functions or people do for me that would allow me to spend more time on the money-making things, which for me was almost always product creation or marketing systems to sell the products. So, and it's funny actually, because I remember thinking about this and really looking at what actually makes money. And you, you think you're working some days. And when you do this process, you go, you know what? I'm actually not working a whole lot. I'm busy but it's not directly contributing to the bottom line. It just feels like it in some ways. And I am, I have to admit, addicted to that feeling of a sense of accomplishment. So whatever it is, ticking the box off your to-do list, um, finishing an article, whatever it is, that feeling like I want to get that done and it gets done. But if you don't actually look at the correlation between the activity you're doing and how it impacts the actual goals you have, you can spend a whole lot of time that actually doing things that don't contribute to your goals. So that's at the point where I started doing things like outsourcing my email and getting someone else to do that. I started having a tech person not just do um, like the things I couldn't do, I started having them do the things I could do. Because for me, I had a, a very long protracted period of weaning myself off of making changes to my website. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a programmer like Walter is, but I did teach myself HTML. And, and in the early days, every website I had was built by, my, by me. And then I, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful for this. The technology advanced beyond the point where I could keep up with it. I, I wasn't interested in learning CSS, um, you know, and, and I went on to 
much more higher level graphics and things are, you know, responsive design nowadays. I don't even know how to start doing something like that. So I was forced in some ways to get other people to handle this thing. But I also started to look and go, you know what, I don't need to do even the basics. Like, okay, can I outsource, um, I actually went crazy with this. Like, can I outsource responding to comments? Is that something that can be done on the blog? And uh, I tried it at one stage, but I realized uh, this is a dialogue that I need to control myself. So I couldn't go to that level. But there were a lot of things that I did start to hand off to people or even just stop doing when I realized it wasn't impacting my bottom line. It's, it's, um, I have to say it's very challenging, especially if you're paying a lot of attention to other people who seem to do a whole lot and you think you have to do the same. Like you have to respond to every single comment on your blog. You have to release a podcast. You have to do a, a, a YouTube channel. And, you know, you should have at least a daily video and a weekly audio and, a, you know, a second, every second day article on your blog, plus be working on a side project, plus be making some sort of passive income from, you know, apps or something like that and, and working on all these things. And if you're not taking advantage of them all, then you're doing something wrong. And I, I have definitely seen myself and gone, no, 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 Let, let's, you know, bring yourself back. What am I trying to do and how do I want to do it? And then look at your own goals. And that's why I think this process of automating needs to reflect what's working for you and what you should stop doing that allows you to do what you really need to do. And that's a very long-winded way of saying that, but uh, <laughs> that, that was a very important process for me. And I have to say, I haven't done my email now in 10 years. I do do email, but I don't do the majority of my email. Angela, my customer service, does my email and I haven't done very little tech work now in the last 10 years as well. Like almost all the website related things have been done by other people. So hopefully uh, most of my days I can be working on a, a written product. That's what I find is the money making for me is being able to write something that leads to sales. So, uh, or of course during the cranky ad days, having time for cranky ads. So um, just before we get off emails, mm. I, I actually find the way you do emails with Angela very um, enlightening. So do you want to share with everyone how you actually handle emails? Mm. Yeah, I, I, actually there's an article on my blog if you want to see this. Um, if you just go to the search and, and type in, uh, let me quickly pull it up just so I don't get the, the wrong name, but it, I wrote about it when I first brought on Angela. The, the interesting thing with my email evolution, it hasn't been the same. I, like so many people, had a blog, then had some products, and then I saw other people having a customer support desk, so I installed a script to, I think, I can't remember what it was, but it was a help desk script, and then I tried using that with someone else manning the help desk, and then obviously you can have a team as well with a lot of the scripts. Um, let me just type this in the search. And I, it's funny because I came back to a very, very simple system, which is basically <laughs> Gmail. Um, I just can't find it in the old search. Here we go. Yes, it's called, uh, if you go to my, oh, I'll put a link with the, the podcast, but it's inside my business, the evolution of a customer service system. And I wrote this back in, whoa, 2008. Doing this for a long time, Walter. Uh, feeling very old. Um, and, very experienced, yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes, wise. Uh, gray hair wise and <laughs> that's how scary it is it's actually still a photo of me with long hair on this article so um 
and it, it's funny because this whole experience resulted in me going, you know what? Every time I add software to things, it doesn't make things simpler. They, the software is supposed to make things simpler. You know, customer service is meant to route everything to one area. And the problem with it is, first of all, you've got the challenges of getting it set up. And then you've got the issues with uh, getting emails to route to the system and then making sure that's working. And, and you know, it's your customers. That's an area where you, you really want to make sure communication is not getting blocked or bouncing or not going through the right person. And I had problems with that technology and I was work well. Um, I didn't like the fact that it's not a habit for people to check a help desk all the time, but it is a habit for people to check email. So what happened was we brought it back to Gmail and just started using their, you know, like their tagging system or their folder system, whatever you want to call it, and made, <laughs> we actually brought it down to one email box. So we used to have like a customer service one and then I had a, another one and you know, Angela was thinking of having one as well, but we just have the one main central one. I also have a private one, but that's not for business. That's sort of friends, families, and non-business things. But that one main central business one, Angela looks at the inbox and deals with all the inbox things. If there's something that she can't answer or it's just something she shouldn't answer, she'll flag it for me. I originally had three folders with the labels, uh, basically Yarrow, no reply, Yarrow, reply, and Yarrow, urgent, which should be self-explanatory. The urgent ones I need to do soon. There's some I need to reply, but they're not urgent. And the no reply ones I should check over, but I don't need to reply to them. Uh, that actually ended up being too much. We just cut it down to two folders, have a look at these and don't reply, and then urgent you or you basically reply to them at some point so nowadays i will go a week sometimes two weeks without actually replying to my messages uh, it's probably the job i find the most difficult to motivate myself to do i don't know if you have the same problem walter i procrastinate email more than any other job which is probably why it's such a good thing that angela has it as her main job because i'd be in trouble now with the uh the habits I've formed around leaving email for a week or two without touching it. So I do look at it, but I don't process it. I batch process it, um, you know, once a week usually. Yeah, I've noticed actually one of the bad habits I've gotten into with email is I like to clear my inbox. So in the morning or mainly at night, actually, I like to isolate the morning to do some productive work. But at night, I'll go through and batch process all of the emails that I have to reply to and they'll be good, can good concise emails with a bit of thought put into them. But then if someone replies to my email, I don't like having my <laughs> inbox not empty. Yeah. So then I'll just reply to them with like one or two liner, which is very terse and very off-putting. Yeah, rude. So, yeah, very rude. <laughs> Considering, you know, my original email may have been like one, two, three paragraphs and suddenly they get a, yes, that's really mm. nice, next sort of reply. Um, yeah, so I have to stop doing that and just process emails once a day. I remember reading some advice that people gave regarding that problem. Um, it might have been Tim Ferriss, actually, with the whole getting into conversation trains that just one question leads to another question and you kind of can't get away from a person. And I remember having that problem and uh, kind of, I did a couple of things. I, I used to be really ruthless. I would basically have an auto response from Angela would send it not me that said Yarrow only answers questions if you're one of his members so you know a coaching client someone who's taking one of my programs or you know bought one of my products uh, and I'm happy to respond to their questions 
But if it's just a general question off the blog, then I, I actually went flat out, no, I won't answer it. Uh, for a while, I directed to the forums. That was my idea. It made more sense because you can put content in the forum and it actually helps your forum grow. And if you answer a question there, you're helping everyone who reads the question and then your answer as well. So it's a bit of a brand building exercise. It creates a content database in some ways. But um, the forum got a bit unruly with spam and things like that. So uh, I ended up, it's kind of weird, I've gone back and forth with it. Uh, I, I, I always have mixed feelings because on one hand, there's the idea that's pushed by a lot of bloggers, especially the hard workers who spend their you know 12 hour days online, where every chance you have to interact with someone who asks you a question is actually a a brilliant chance to build a relationship to learn about your people and potentially make a sale too because if you answer their question they're more likely to feel a sense of rapport with you and then even a sense of reciprocity like oh this person spent their time answering my question I'll buy their product when they have something to sell which I totally agree with I think that makes sense to me and I've noticed when I do answer questions that people really appreciate it and that's often because there's a bit of a halo around uh, someone like me who's been blogging for so long it's oh my god Yara replied to me which still makes me feel very strange I don't don't get the celebrity thing like that um, I mean I guess if I wrote to I don't know Richard Branson and he wrote back to me that'd be kind of cool but you know I don't consider myself quite as well known as Richard <laughs> we hang out on weekends um, <laughs> but there's also the issue with if you have this policy it's hard to correlate directly a bottom line improvement from responding to emails personally like that. And I'm sure like with you, Walter, you would say, okay, I should answer every email that someone's sending to me saying, I want to buy something on KickSpy. I want to buy an ad. I just need this question answered. You're going to be jumping all over that. But if someone's just like sort of a generic Kickstarter question, you know, they may, may or may not ever be interested in buying something from you. And if you're getting 50 of those a day, what do you do? You know, especially as you get more popular, you have to kind of bridge this issue of how do I maintain connection and communication with an audience that's growing without making that my job, because it will become so much of your time and you'll not be able to do any progressive work that actually carries you forward. You're just going to be dealing with all of the runoff effect, like I said at the beginning here, that is a byproduct of your success, but it, it, it can drown you. So you got to really you know, figure out a balance as you grow. Well, one of the good things I've noticed with responding to emails is people generally won't read an FAQ even if you have an FAQ on your website. So the questions you'll get are generally you know, answered by your FAQ. And if it's one of those questions, then you can really easily reply with a pre-canned response, you know, even a copy-paste of mm. what's on your FAQ. Snippets. Yeah, snippets if, if the wording's right. But um, like you said, the sort of ad, the sort of emails I get, like, I want to buy an ad on Kickspy or I want to buy something on Kickspy versus the I have some generic questions about crowdfunding. I used to do two passes of emails. First thing in the morning, I passed all the emails that you know I had to respond to straight away, something like I want to buy an ad. I would respond to those. Everything else got handled in the afternoon. Mm. And that's actually part of my policy every day. I have a block of time, especially in the morning, to do the most gut-wrenching, annoying, I really don't want to do this, but I have to... Eat the frog. Task. Eat the frog. Eat the frog. Uh, for those of you who know the book, Eat Brian the Frog. Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy, that's it. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I block that off and then around lunchtime, um, just before lunch, I'll do another pass of emails to see if anything important's come up. If not, then again, it'll be left to the afternoon. Mm. i have some lunch. I'll do some other housekeeping tasks and then another block of time in the evening to do something productive and then emails right at the end. Yeah, I, I definitely think you, you would benefit from a, a customer service type, like an Angela, basically, for your email as well. Hopefully, you know, Kickspy will be able to justify hiring one soon enough. You reminded me, Walter, of one of my very first attempts, and you'll like this, to replace a, a human with a, a software robot, basically, was for better edit, my, my proofreading business. There was, you probably don't know this, but I was so interested in outsourcing, and this was prior to 4-Hour Workweek and all that, but I was thinking, okay, how can I, uh, and I was probably being, um, I was trying to basically make my business run without even needing an Angela. So I wanted uh, the proofreading business to be a website where you went to the website, you registered an account, you submitted your job, it got assigned to an editor, the editor would edit it and then upload it to a software system, it would send out the emails to the clients and the editor, and then they'd get the job done and the money would be taken and split between the editor and my company automatically as well. So all of that could have been handled electronically through a software platform, right? Mm -hmm. I thought this would be great because primarily the, the main reason I wanted to do this was I could then implement an affiliate system and I thought that could be a really big key for exploding the growth of better edit. The challenge I had with it was, A, it was complicated. So uh, it was very similar to what we went through with Cranky Ads, sort of planning what emails need to get sent, what functions do we need to uh, automate first, you know, getting the lean methodology way, way before lean was even, you know, probably a, a blink on Eric Reese's eyes. And I was struggling. I actually hired a software development firm. It's the first time I ever hired a software company. I met with them, told them what I wanted to do. I wanted to track every transaction that a proofreading service would go through. And then uh, we came to the conclusion of doing an incremental development process. So I, I paid them $2,000 for the first uh, setup. And we, we went through that. They built the first function for $2,000. And then I said, stop. This is not going to work. So I managed to, I guess, save myself the 30 grand that I was probably heading towards spending there without getting a solution because I came to the conclusion that because my clientele were predominantly non-English speaking background, they were going to struggle to use any sort of platform simply because of their inability to understand the labeling on what to do in each section. That was you know, a bit of an assumption, but I was pretty sure based on the way we'd have to deal with certain clients over email, that no matter how simple I make an electronic platform, they wouldn't figure out how to use it and would cost me clients. So I stopped it there. And then I thought, well, what's the best way to deal with automation in this, in this situation? And I, you know what, I thought I need a human being, <laughs> a human being that's capable of dealing with the various ways a person is going to come into contact and communicate with us. And most importantly, it means that the contact point for my business can just be email this address and we'll solve your problems. It was in fact very much like a, like a Zappos or an Amazon attitude towards customer service. It was like, how can I make it so that any person, no matter where they're coming from, understands how to deal with us? So don't put up a platform that's going to 
confuse them. And as much as I wanted to automate the process, the best way to do it was a human being who will then be able to provide tailored customer support for every single type of query, as well as deal with the editors and, and that whole transaction process. And that's actually when I went out and handed, uh, hired Angela for the first time. And she became my robot. I kind of looked at her as a, a robot back then. I said, because that's when we started using snippets too. Uh, you know, I said, Angela, we're going to get these default queries. You know, they're going to ask about price. Even though it's written on the website, they're still going to come to us and go, how much does this job cost? And they'll send the job and we'll have to do the word count and then write back, it'll cost you this much if you want it in one day, this much in two days, etc." But the great thing about it is it was always tailored and they always had uh, a level of communication equivalent to what they were giving us, which was very important, especially for that customer base. And I've kept that attitude since then. I think that's why even when I went to the help desk software, I wasn't really happy with it. I much prefer email and a human being who uses snippets. And when we keep saying snippets for people who don't know, that's like uh, little template emails you can use uh, most programs, Gmail, Hotmail, that sort of thing, or even some external apps will allow you to create snippets. And for example, Angela has one that every time someone comes to me and says, uh, Yarrow, I'd like to cancel my subscription to your interviews club. Angela has a snippet that says, uh, okay, uh, you, you can do that, but you basically you've got two options. You, you're this far into your program. If you only pay for one month, two months left, then you'll have everything paid for and you can go through the interviews whenever you want or we can cancel you now but you won't get the remaining interviews etc so it's a option one and two and i this is a very um you know it's not an accurate statistic but i'm pretty sure and a gut feeling looking at the results we've got about two out of every three people will actually stay in the program and finish their payments because of that snippet template email and because it's coming from a person, coming from Angela, who's tailored it just a little bit, you know, filled in the right blanks, basically. And that's, that's an important thing that I think would be very difficult for a robot platform to do. So I'm a big fan of humans. <laughs> Go humans. Yeah, and as much as I like software and automating everything through software or as much as possible, there's no beating the creativity of an employee. So especially um, when you get those out of the blue emails, you just... Software just can't handle that. Mm. Yes, but then it's great for other things too. So, you know, it's, uh, it's finding the balance as always with most things in life. Of course. And on that note, Walter, we're at 35 I think it's minutes. Over. I know, uh, time flies. goes too quick. It really does. So um, we're about to hit Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all those listeners who probably are listening to this just after Christmas. You, you're probably getting ready for, for that in your own lives. Uh, this time of year, there's, I'm, I don't work too much. I, I notice my traffic drops by about 20%. So I think a lot fewer people are going online. Uh, this podcast will probably, unfortunately, listen to 20% less as well, which upsets me, but I'll live with that. Uh, Walter, you have a, a, a different life at the moment. So over the next few weeks, are you doing Christmas and New Year's or are you just packing and getting ready to go? Ooh, I'm packing and getting ready to go and finishing up stuff for uh, automating KickSpy and all my consulting business. So yeah, I won't have much of a break the next two weeks. And then you have no break for the next, what, six, six years, two six years months. maybe? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So probably not the best way to start a really stressful new business, but... Uh, You're yeah. used to it. You always work hard. That's one thing now that I've known you, Walter, I don't, like you, when you holiday, you holiday well. 
That's for sure. You, you switch off and you go jump out of an airplane or ski down a slope or whatever it is you... I'm Machu Picchu. Yeah, your adventure type personality likes doing. But pretty much when that's not happening, you are putting in 12-hour days. That's, yeah, that's, it's minimum 60 hours a week. Yeah, see, folks, work hard like Walter. Well, well work hard to a point where you can make some... Well. <laughs> I have two bits of advice there. I've been working hard for 10 years, Yarrow. That's, uh, that's probably not the best role model, considering that you've, uh, you've been doing a few hours a week and really enjoying your life, right? Well, I don't enjoy jumping on airplanes and, you know, Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu as you do, uh, but, um, but yeah, yes, different things to motivate. No, I think, um, I guess, yeah, okay, I'm not saying work hard for 10 years of your life. But, you know, you, I think the point here is the, the drive you have. Like, I, and I actually think this would be interesting. You won't know this until it happens. But what's going to happen to you when you hit that goal? You know, you do reach the point where, okay, the 12-hour days are now well and truly not required, whether you're going to go on a perpetual holiday or not. I know you'll go on a bunch of holidays because you've always wanted to do that, but that's not going to be forever. So I, I just wonder how much of your makeup is actually always working fairly hard, just the way you like to work. When I holiday, I pretty much have the same attitude. I just go focused on what exactly I want to experience on this holiday. And then I go off and plan that. And then I go and, uh, well, then I go enjoy my day. But I know that whole day is kind of scheduled so that I can do whatever I want. Mm. Um, but... When so, what I'm working towards basically is getting to a point where I've got enough uh, enough money in the bank to cover all of my expenses, and what I've come for the to rest realize, of your life, right? Yeah, for the rest of my life. So. I mean, it, it's a big pie in the sky kind of goal, but they're the sort of goals you need to really clarify what you have to do to get there. Hmm. And uh, over the last ten years, I've kind of realized that that's probably a bit too abstract the passive income business is a better way to go because you know in one year i've got a i've started with nothing and got a passive income website that's covering half of my expenses i can do that next year if if inductly didn't come up i could do that again next year and have all my expenses covered and then just you know keep going from there so you know if i did that 10 years ago then um after two years i probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been working 60-hour weeks. Mm. So I think that's definitely a better better way to go if you're first starting out. If you do like the whole appeal of startups and uh, getting venture funding and moving to Silicon Valley and you know potentially making hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, that's cool. That's cool. You'll probably have five or ten failed startups though and you will be working 60 to 80 hours a week. For at least ten years, mm. um, I'm still getting there. <laughs> I haven't got there yet, so mm. you know, maybe oh, twenty years. So we're we'll talking about your co-founder Brett at the moment and how he's about to turn forty. And as for the long as I've known him, he's always had a startup he's been working towards. So they change, but he's always working towards that same similar goal. I'm pretty sure as you had, Walter, that sort of million, multi-million dollar exit from from something he created. Yeah, it gets addictive um, trying to change the world. <laughs> you you get this idea and it's just that's a you, good tweet you put, Walter you gotta tweet yeah. that out there yeah yeah it is though it is yeah. for any of you listening that are into startups you know what I mean right yeah I, I have to admit I feel the same like it's very hard 
I, you know, I hear what you're doing with, with Rhett now and I'm, I'm, I want to be a part of it for the camaraderie, the shared purpose, the potential big exit, the, the dent in the universe sort of thing. Uh, I remind myself of the kind of personality and the, um, <laughs> how do I put this, the, the, learn, the, the learned behavior I have embedded into my system over the last 10 years, which is different to your 10 years of 12-hour days where I've never done a 12-hour day probably in my entire life. Um, probably the last time I spent 12 hours on one activity, I can't think of something. It was probably not, I don't know. Magic the Gathering tournament. <laughs> I have a feeling. That's not work yet. <laughs> but I'm just talking about one activity with 12 hours in, for an entire day. Yeah. It, it, it would have been a Magic the Gathering tournament on a weekend. I would have played the entire weekend back when I was 19. So, wow, that's kind of scary to think about. Or video games before that. You know, I, don't, I never worked for 12 hours a day. Let's put it that way. Um, so, because I don't know how, like, see, I couldn't do... I could work, okay, to be absolutely clear, I probably have worked some days for, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours, but there was writing, and then there was coordinating outsourcing team, then there was doing interview, then there was editing some audio, maybe doing a video, uh, you know, talking to someone else, having a, a Skype conversation. It was very, it's varied, where I think a lot of your 12-hour days are hitting the code. Yeah, and... If you're a coder, you'll realize this, but for those of you who aren't, um, coding, if you get in the zone, it's very much like juggling. Once, once you hit the zone, you can just you know, keep on juggling and time seems to stop. And then you kind of wake up a few hours later and it feels like five minutes have passed. Flow state. Yeah, flow state. That's right. But things like this, like doing the podcast... Um, I have found that if I can't get into the zone, then doing something different, like maybe processing my emails halfway during the day, which is completely different, or doing this podcast, that really helps me kind of switch gears and then get back into coding once that's done. Yep. Good old ultradian rhythm there, changing your body function so that you can refresh the previous body function. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Important stuff. Ah, oh, Walter, we're way, way over schedule. This is now our officially longest ever podcast, so I think we need to shut up. Um, I'm not doing much this week. It's Christmas. I'm in Melbourne. I don't know a lot of people. So I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm actually thinking about buying a PlayStation 3. I have wow. not played video games in so long. And I thought, you know what? I could, I could spend Christmas playing video games. Nice. I like that. I, I don't know if I still can. I, I, I've lost patience for video games. Ever since Legend of Zelda and Final Fantasy and Mario days, that's back then I could put whole days into it. But, you know, it's, it's all the Internet's fault. I think my attention span has sort of dropped. I need varieties of stimulation. So, But I was thinking there's these cool games that came out over the last eight years in, on PlayStation 3 that I didn't really know about. Could catch up on them. It's what boys do, right? You, you play right. games, right? I do, I do. Not so much now, but when, whenever I do take a holiday, I'll spend a week playing something. But not PlayStation, it was PC, right? It's always PC, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or Xbox, but mainly PC. Right, so well, I, you know, it's all this Xbox One and PlayStation 4 hype. It got me interested in it. I like a good racing game or a good RPG or something like that. So that maybe, we'll see. It could be a, I'll spend all day Christmas playing a video game. It'd be interesting if I can even do that. Should That's my a, week. We'll on that. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Um, Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you, Walter, 
for joining me. Thanks for listening. Me. Thank you, Arrow. Uh, have a good week getting ready with uh, the move for Sydney, Walter. And I'm guessing we'll do this next week and you'll be about to leave, which will be uh, just, just yeah, before be New Year's, I think. So uh, we'll, we'll have a chat and maybe we can do a bit of a you know year two, 2014, what we hope to achieve sort of kind of year uh, podcast. would be fun to do. Yeah, I'll um, do my weekly review before then. Yep, yeah, and I'd love to get any kind of questions along this line. Walter and I have had a bit of a ramble in this podcast. So if anything has uh, piqued your curiosity and you want to know more about it, or you're just interested in anything to do with your online business or anything to do with startups, entrepreneurship, please do leave a comment reply at my Entrepreneur's Journey blog where this podcast will be published. And you can find that by just Googling Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, if you didn't get the podcast from there. Anyway, um, Thanks, everyone, for listening in. You have a Merry Christmas out there if you do celebrate that. You have a Merry Christmas too, Walter. And uh, Merry Christmas too, Yarrow, even though you're Jewish. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. So, uh, <laughs> And Merry Christmas to everyone else too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Walter. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye now. Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow.